Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money. And today, Jeff is talking with the band Jericho Woods. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. The reason why I love writing about music and interviewing musicians, because I just love to get to know people and find really cool and interesting people. And this week on Millennial Money Lifestyle Thursday, that was such the case as we talked with Josh Mitchum, who is the lead singer and front man for the Kentucky-based Americana band, Jericho Woods. You're really going to enjoy Josh. He's really laid back, cool, great Southern guy. A hard worker talks about how hard it is to actually break into the business, to maintain your status in the business, and sometimes maybe you also have to have two or three jobs, which, you know, that could also be related to any business. Uh, so you're really going to love this uh, this interview with Josh, uh, and uh, you're, I think you might actually really like Jericho Woods' music. Check them out. We'll have the links uh, on, the, on the podcast as well, too. 
So check out their music, download their music, and uh, check them out. So enjoy our conversation with Josh Mitchum from Jericho Woods. So tell me about Jericho Woods and how you guys all started and um, where you guys come from. Uh, we are from uh, a place called Breckenridge County, Kentucky, which is about about an hour um, southwest of Louisville. Um, you know, I played music for about <clears throat> 20 years or 15 years, and and I have a cousin who also lives here who had done the bluegrass thing with the Osborne Brothers and J.D. Crow and some different people, and we never really gotten together on a project, and uh, it, we were both well into our 30s and a couple years ago, and we decided we finally needed to do something. So uh, it, it started with he and I uh, getting together and, and just kind of, it was maybe going to be a solo project, and, and uh, then we added some players and started playing shows, and now we're three years in as of i guess november 30th uh, mark twain's birthday that was our <laughs> that's our first get together so that's a, that's a good date uh what describe the, the band sound uh for people that may not be aware of you guys we, we are real disciples of kind of the heartland rock kind of a rootsy americana thing akin to um you know john cougar uh melon camp and and you know Tom Petty, but but still with you know, we have a fiddle, and uh, you know so it, it kind of kind of falls into that category, whatever that is. Uh, it, we've we've kind of leaned towards country some, and and then sometimes we push back a little bit. But we're so, I guess we're Americana. <clears throat> it, that that seems like that could encompass everything. Right, that, that, that seems to follow uh, fall under a, a bunch of different uh, sounds these days. But yeah, yeah, you know, like like a kind of farm rock, mm. you know. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so, how did you uh, become a singer, and and when did you have that aha moment, like you wanted to, you know, kind of do this for a living? You know, it it was one of the the aha moment really kind of came <clears throat> when I was eighteen. I went to um, I went and watched Garth Brooks at Freedom Hall, and you know there was. 20,000 people and and he was not like the traditional entertainer for a kid that grew up listening to country music so uh, you know he was singing Billy Joel and James Taylor and you know and rock and roll songs and and it, it was just I thought it was brilliant and uh, it, it but earlier than that you know I'd be singing like boys to men songs at little league games and and the little girls would like that and I, you know early on I was like oh, this is a I could get used to that the, the attention I guess but but yeah, you know, did the chorus thing in high school, and and then in college, you know, you know, you start a band and you go out and and crank it out in the bars, and you know, and doing that now, fifteen twenty years later. So right, right. Well, how did grow, growing up in Kentucky uh, shape your sound? Uh, you know, like I said, obviously it's a you know the home of bluegrass, and we we don't live. You know, Paul and I, neither one live more than an hour from where Bill Monroe is buried, you know? So it's like, you know, obviously there's a lot of people 
you know, steeped in that kind of music. But, you know, I, I find in rural places that you know, there's little else to do. You know, you do a lot of camping out, and and uh, at the end of a hard day's work, you're sitting around. And, you know, our, our we have common great-grandparents, mm. our great-great-grandparents, I'm sorry. Mm. And everybody on that side of the family, you know, Saturday evening you went down to the store and you, you brought out your fiddles and your old, you know, D18s and your D28s and you, and you just played music. And uh, everybody in my family played music, and uh, and my mother, you know, sang in the car. So that's that's I guess that's where I learned how to sing harmony and sing along. Was, was we always had music in the house. So you know, lots of obviously all I grew up in the MTV age. So mm. you know, I got all kinds of music. But Kentucky, you know, has a pretty rich tradition of 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 roots music. Right, right. Well, besides like uh, Boys to Men, as you mentioned, well, who else uh, influenced you as a kid growing up? Well, uh, I I have two copies of the Thriller album. <laughs> we were Columbia House uh, members, you know, so you got the <laughs> <Right>. exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, I loved I loved all that all that stuff that was on MTV at the time. Uh, I really got into uh, Black Crows and. And kind of that era of roots rock, southern rock, and in, in you know my high school and and college years, and uh, I don't know. I, my favorite band is Foo Fighters, which is kind of atypical for the style of music that we play. Um, but really, just try to explore as much as possible, and always have. You know, kind of the the consummate uh, you know discoverer. Right, right. Well, I, I can kind of, I can kind of hear the 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 foos in there with you know maybe a, a country influence or a, a Kentucky influence of uh, of the Foo Fighters. I like Dave, yeah, because it's all about it's you know he has the the quiet verse and the loud chorus, and then he has the lift. Mm-hmm. You know, he's all about the lift, right? And it song to the different place, and and I've always tried to write songs that way, you know, where it just keeps sucking you in, right? But, right. Uh, and, and again, you know. He sounds like Paul McCartney to me when he writes, and and that seems unusual. But just you know, he has great sense of melody, and that people have to be able to sing along with you if, if you're going to be memorable. So right, right, right. Um, what kind of or, or uh, tell me about your songwriting style and what gives you what gives you ideas and what influences you? Uh, you know, it's different things. Like I said, I, I, I listen to a lot of great songwriters and great music. Uh, to try to steal, you know, I, I I listen to a lot of Springsteen and and um, you know I love uh, I love storyteller type writers. So you know, there's lots of interesting stories in rural America and right here in rural Kentucky. Uh, a lot of farming stories and people, you know, Paul wrote a, the song Clear Cut about you know somebody losing their farm and um, or just you know those kind of unusual relationships that happen you know kind of in the country, but um, you know, so we try to write songs about, uh, you know, obviously stuff that is about people we know. Um, and then, you know, sometimes you just, you'd be listening, you'll hear a line on a song on the radio and you're like, that should have been its own song. You know, this, you know, this, uh, you know, this song's about something else, but man, that's a really good line. Or, or you come up with a melody in your head and you just have to build something around it. It, it happens all different ways, I guess. Usually the really good songs happen really fast. I think, 
not that I've written a really good song. The ones that <laughs> best generally come real fast. You don't really have to work no. at it. Or, but yeah, I you know, I do a lot of uh, iPhone recordings mm-hmm. uh, while I'm driving down the road. Uh, you know, something pops in your head and you just kind of keep recording it over and over again until you kind of have a semblance of it. And you get home and run to your guitar real quick and, and try to make sure you don't lose it. Right, right. What? Uh, uh, tell us about this, the, your new single, and do you guys have an, a full album coming out in 2017? We're going to release an EP, I think, in April. You know, it, it's, it's always like, hurry up and wait. <laughs> but uh, but the new single's better now, and uh, I, you know, I really like, uh, for me, I, I, I took a leave of absence from teaching for a year because I thought, I have to dedicate myself to this craft. You know, mm. if something good's going to happen, if, if we're going to move forward, I've got to go all in and struggle and scratch and do that whole thing, right? So, um, but I struggled with it for a while. Like, how am I going to do that? I have a family, and you know, the guys had jobs and families, and it's like, you know, how are we going to get to this place? But amazingly, you know, as soon as I kind of just, you know, jumped in, it was like a big elephant like crawled off of your chest. You know, it was very uh, cathartic, and so and better now kind of came from that. You know, it's like. I thought I was happy with playing music and, and all the things I was doing. But once I did that, like, exclusively, it was, it was such a, you know, you woke up every day and it was exciting. Now, I was poor, um, <laughs> but but, it, but that, I think that's kind of part of it, too. You, 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 can't, you can't really, uh, I don't think you can create anything when you're comfortable. You know, nothing that's, that's real. You know, all the good stuff comes from, from some type of struggle. Right, right. Well, what what about uh, finding the balance of that? With you, you're, you say you mentioned you're a teacher, and you also have this full band and everything like that. How do you find the balance, and and you know, what, how do you uh, decide what goes when? And you know, balance. what you have to do is marry yeah. uh, intelligently. <laughs> uh, you have to have people in your life who understand that that you're no good without all of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, really, that's kind of what it came down to, and. And even at this point now, where I, I, I went back to teaching, just kind of out of necessity, mm-hmm. and and really wanting to get back to that place where I'm doing it full time and real close to it, you know, I, I kind of sense it in the people around me. Like, you know, I'll be glad when you're just playing music. You know? <laughs> but right. it's, you know, I, I paint also, mm-hmm. um, and like, you know, I'm I'm out right now in the in the studio, uh, trying to get stuff done for Christmas, and you know, trying to. Ultimately, I think I, people who are creative and, and creative types, it really doesn't matter what what you're working on. You just constantly have to be working on something. So I kind of go back and forth between things, but it maybe there's some ADD in there too. But but I, the balance is just you know if you're if you're really happy, you know. And I've told students, you know, and you've heard your parents, if you love what you're doing, you'll never work a day of your life. But I can work till midnight or two o'clock, and it kind of dig into some of this stuff, and and you don't you don't realize it, and you don't get tired, and uh, you know, and you you figure out how to get sleep in, and you know, you make time for your family and your kids, and it all works out usually. Right. How was it working with um, your producer Skid Mills on on the uh, on the single? Skid is you know, we'd never been produced before. We'd mm-hmm. always kind of done our thing and it's real easy to to not 
it's hard to be objective about your own work, you know. Like, is this good? Well, sure, it's good. I, I did it. I'm, I'm good. I think it sounds good. It was nice to have somebody go, uh, you should probably do this. And, and you probably shouldn't uh, sing that note there. Let's do this. And just somebody who, you know, he's, he's had a BMI song of the year. He's won a Grammy. He's, he's been with acts that have, you know, that have sold tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of records. So uh, just kind of having that experience, and, and still, he let us do our thing. You know, he was very, he was not one of those producers that, you know, there's some people that you hear their stuff and you immediately know. You know, it's like, like Dave Cobb is really popular and hot right now. Mm-hmm. It, and a lot of his stuff kind of sounds the same. Or Dan Arbach, if he mm-hmm. produces, then a lot of times it sounds like the Black Keys mm-hmm. are there. Um, this kid just kind of sit back and said, you do you, and uh, and I'll I'll. He had a lot. He would ask questions of us, like, "What do you think about this? Did you like that?" I was like, "Well, yeah, yeah, it sounds great." Um, but yeah, so I, I, it was a good experience for me. I, and I think I think the other guys appreciated it too. It, I mean, it's hard to have somebody tell you, you know, maybe don't do that thing that you really wanted to do. But but that's kind of the give and take, I think. With, um, you know, as an artist, you're you're trying to preserve your your. Um, in your artistic integrity, but let's face it, it's a business, uh, and and you 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 want mass appeal, so you have to kind of fit it into the confines of a three and a half minute song, and it has to have these parameters, and you need to it needs to be listenable, and you know it needs they need to you know so having someone with his experience was nice to be able to go all right, let's do this with with what you have in mind, so it was a good team effort. And you guys, you guys recorded your own album, uh, your first album, on your own. Then, yes, yes. Uh, yes, our drummer uh, was at the time was uh, a studio engineer, had his own studio, and we we just kind of did it on our own as we could. So, in these days, there's a lot more outlets too to to feature your music, like Spotify and stuff like that. Is that easier? You think these days um, to get your music out there a little bit more? Oh, I, I mean, I think you can. There's plenty of platforms. But the, I, I think what what we found too is that, and, and of no fault of their own, but the all, the industry has also noticed all these outlets. So they've kind of infiltrated them too. You know, it's like if you want to be on a Spotify playlist, right. you kind of got to be. You have to have someone in marketing helping you push that, or you need to have a, a some kind of tastemaker associated with them that really, or or you just got to get a ton of of. Of spins, you know, people have to play you. Um, I, what I've heard from people uh, a lot about music now is that you don't just go to the record store and say what's new this week. Mm-hmm. You, know, you really to find new music, you really, really, really have to have to look hard, um, and it, it's not it's not easy. But there is so much, and there's a lot of really good music. Uh, it it's hard it's hard to find it all. Almost so. So yeah, there's lots of there's lots of ways to distribute it, but I think that makes it even harder because you have to figure out what your tribe of people are. You know, how are they finding their their music? Are the people who generally like you uh, are they are they doing Spotify? Or are they still you know buying the songs on iTunes? You know, kids these days, you know, kids that I have that are students that are teenagers, you know, laugh at me because I still buy physical copies or I buy the song on iTunes and they're like, you know, it's, 
you don't have to pay for it. You can <laughs> get it on YouTube or something. Right. right. I'm like, well, yeah, I know I can, and I <laughs> and I still listen to music that way. But if I like it, then I immediately go and purchase it because I understand where those people and what they're trying to do. Um, I really think though, it's records have become what they were in the 50s and 60s. I believe that they're just advertisements now. So you're paying money just to get that song out there into markets where you can go play live because that's the only way the artist is really going to make money is to play shows and sell them out you know right what uh what did you what have you learned i mean basically these days having a band is like a small business uh what what have you learned about you know working with public relations and marketing and you know all that kind of stuff like that combined and kind of putting your your name out there what have you guys kind of learned from that well the business stuff is is hard and it's been new and and challenging uh you know understanding that you got to have contracts and you got to have uh, you've got to have things kind of lined out. You know, you don't think you're going to have any problems, and that you and that you everybody that is on on the same team and and there's never going to be any disputes. And and then ultimately there are. And uh, and you know we we have we had an LLC and you know so you, but you know if you don't we've learned a whole lot. Let's just say that about. Um, <laughs> how to how to manage that kind of stuff, the legal ramifications of things, and and uh, and just, you know just understanding how it operates, uh, you know taxes and um, it's a it that that's the thing that that you just assume that somebody else is going to be taking care of when you and, it, and you're ultimately you're the one that has to do it, um, you know uh, most uh, most people at our level don't have major label backing and don't have major booking you know, we have a lot of really good friends and associates in nashville and in the industry that that help us and are really good about trying to help us get shows or help us with answering questions up to this point and um but you're still you're calling and you're you're trying to get as much money as you can as the artist pretending you're not the artist and um and you know you have to make sure you have enough money to get to the show and then have a place to stay if you haven't secured a place to crash. And, you know, so th- I think that was one of the big things that I felt like we were good at and we have been good at over the last couple of years. Is, you, know, you book you book shows where you have guaranteed money. Let's say you book a show and you're guaranteed three grand. Um, so what we were able to do is say, okay, we have to play this show because it's a festival and we're only getting paid 200 bucks or something. And we would take the money that we knew we were making and we would budget it out over every show and kind of went with the Nashville rate. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody, we're going to try to give everybody $150 a show, mm-hmm. every show. And um, and that and that's worked pretty good for the most part. Uh, of course, then you start doing videos and then you start doing, um, you know, like you said, to get something to, to be seen on Facebook or Instagram, you gotta you got to buy ads and, you know, so yeah, there's there's a lot of that. You got to have merch, and you got to make sure you have all the sizes. Right. But yeah, the business aspect of it is that's the part that wears you out. Um, you can't wait to get up on stage and play, right? Because you've had to deal with all the other uh, stuff for the whole day leading up to it. Well, speaking of being on live on stage, you guys have opened for uh, the likes of like Sturgill Simpson and, and uh, Tim McGraw. How was that uh, opening for them? Oh, I, look, there's 
we've been lucky to open for some people in intimate settings. And, of course, like Tim McGraw, we were playing a festival. So there was, you know, 15,000 people there and um, multiple stages. And uh, But we've got to play in some cool places with some artists that we really revered. Um, we opened for Sturgill, I guess, about two years ago. He had just played uh, uh, Letterman for the first time the night before. And uh, he just had a baby. Or his wife had, and um, it was you know that was cool because we had been following him for a long time. He was a Kentucky guy. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to open for Dwight Yoakam in Lexington at the Opera House, and you know he's a Kentucky guy that that we've loved. So for us, it's been those kind of things where we've got to play with with people that we look up to and admire that have been really cool. Um, and we we play with a lot. I played with a lot of national acts over the years, but. Um, you know, a lot of times you're you're playing and you're not crossing paths with those people. But the ones that the ones that uh, we've been able to play with in the last year or two have, have been super sweet to us. So hopefully, hopefully, if we ever reach, uh, <laughs> we can be those guys too. Right, uh, right, right. But but yeah, it's a you know you learn something from everybody, and uh, that's just what we've tried to do. You know, I always say it's like golf. You're not re- you're not competing with the other artists, really. You're uh, you're just trying to make sure you do what you do as best as you can every time. And then there's there's enough fans for everybody. You just you just can't ever suck. You've got to be on your game all the time. Exactly. So, uh, what does 2017 look like for Jericho Woods? And uh, where can we actually find you guys uh, if we want to look up on internet or you know iTunes and stuff? Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the first album and the single are, are on iTunes and Google Play and all that. Um, you can go to uh, Um We uh, obviously we're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, but uh, 2017, uh, we're we're really hoping to uh, to push this single. Uh, we've got a couple more songs we want to try to add to the EP um, before we release, probably in April. Uh, we've got a video for Better Now. Hopefully, we're going to be able to debut in January. Uh, hopefully, on a you know on a major media outlet. Um, try, we're going to do a lot of radio promotion the first couple months of the year. So, hopefully, we're hitting all the all, all the towns within a five hundred thousand mile radius early in the year. And and hopefully, by by festival season, we have we have made a dent uh, in radio. So that's that's the goal. <laughs> Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? 
Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.